I'm so excited about this. I, I really am. I know you guys have been saying, Mike, you've been geeking out all morning about the chairman of the FCC calling in as he passes through Wilmington, Delaware. And I see the hotline is ringing, and I believe, who else could it be? Who else is calling the hotline this morning? Uh, chairman Pai, is that you, sir? It is indeed. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm really thrilled you're here. Um, as you know, we only get like Joe Biden stopping through Wilmington, Delaware, because he's coming home for lunch. So when a member of the Trump administration comes through our town, I'm really happy you're taking time to talk to us here on the Angie Austin and Michael Pelka show. Welcome, sir. Um, you're, I got to ask you two things before we get into what you're doing with this bridging the digital divide. And I offer this to every person who comes through our show. Is there any horrendous mistake on your Wikipedia bio we need to correct right now? (laughs) You know, I haven't checked it in a while. I know every time we do something that folks uh, don't like, uh, there's an uptick in uh, creative edits, shall we say. So, uh, I'll have to take a look again and get back to you on that one. But uh, it's always an adventure seeing yourself uh, described on the Internet, especially on Wikipedia. You know, I have to tell you, and it's not just a suck up move here. Having a chairman of the FCC, of the Federal Communications Commission, who has uh, a sense of humor and a thick skin is really something special and something we haven't seen in, in my lifetime, in my experience. So from from your uh, video, uh, was it the Daily Caller put out that video of uh, things, right. you, things you can do after net neutrality to uh, just your approach to things? I don't think you're snarky. I just think you're um, a guy who's having fun in his job, and I appreciate that. So thank you, sir. Well, thanks. You know, I, I learned from uh, some of my mentors over the years that you should take your principles and policies seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. And, uh, uh, you know, a part of the way I've done this job is to be is outgoing on all of these different platforms, whether it's Twitter or pushing out videos and the like. And just to say, look, you know, these are serious issues, but we shouldn't get nasty about it and uh, vitriolic and you know, life is uh, more important than just battling to the death over every single thing. Let's just uh, you know, debate things honestly. And if we disagree, we disagree agreeably. Amen, sir. Amen. I appreciate that. Well, you're on a little bit of a PR tour through New Jersey and Delaware, and I assume you're spreading this uh, discussion throughout the entire country about bridging the digital divide. How do we explain it to people like me who are thick? <laughs> well, you are one of the wisest ones out there, so you shouldn't uh, put yourself down. I, I think uh, what I, the way I explain it is this. We want to close the gap between those Americans who have access to the Internet and those who don't. And the reason is that so many of the things we do in our daily lives now depend on this technology, whether it's starting a business or uh, getting a cutting-edge health care or educating your kids or even rural areas. Uh, farms and ranches depend on technology for precision agriculture. And so we want to make sure that every American who wants access is able to get it. And that, I think, is something that we should really focus on because it unifies uh, the country uh, as opposed to some of the other issues that uh, people tend to focus on. This is something that would really benefit communities and the country at large. And uh, I'm glad to say that in the 42 states and the uh, territories of Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands, I've seen a lot of support for this priority. 
Well, that's good because ultimately, and and I've had some interesting discussions about this topic of trying to get the internet to as many people as possible. I tell them, you don't realize this can actually shrink government by making oh. the connection from people to various government agencies more efficient. And, you know, it's going to be less office space, less time waiting in line. Uh, we just had to experience the Social Security office here in Delaware. And by making an appointment, I bet we saved two hours of standing in line. And that happened because of the Internet. So I'm, I'm 100 percent in sync with you, sir. Oh, absolutely. And there's a, you know, there's a startup in Kansas City I met recently that was trying to automate all of this uh, stuff. If you have to pay a parking ticket or uh, renew a license, uh, do, just doing all of that online easily on your phone. And well, just think about all the hours that folks have to take off work to do stand in these lines to fill out these forms. It's, it, it just boggles the mind. And so I'm hopeful that you know, when my kids grow up, you know, that kind of thing is going to be in the past and they can just do all of this in an instant on their phones or on their computers. I love this. And if you guys want to know more, Bridging the Digital Divide exists on the FCC.gov webpage. You can see what the chairman is up to with this initiative and see how he's talking about doing it and bringing it not just to the people out in rural, rural areas, but also filling in the blanks in our urban areas as well. So I'm keen on that. Uh, do I have a, a, a moment to ask you a couple of questions about some pet peeves? Mr. Commissioner. Absolutely. All right. What are we doing about the damn robocalls? Oh, my God. This drives me crazy. I get them myself all the time. They typically have the same area code that I've got, and even the next three digits might be the same. Those are called spoofed robocalls. And the problem is that uh, because of the Internet, this technology to unleash these calls has gotten much, much better. And so it almost doesn't even matter where you are in the world. In fact, most of the robocalls we see come from abroad but seem to be local. So the FCC has taken out the stops to attack this problem. I've demanded that the phone companies adopt what is called call authentication for every single phone call. Essentially, this is a digital fingerprint that would be attached to every call to verify that the call was legitimate. And if the phone call didn't have that fingerprint, then the phone carriers wouldn't carry that phone call on their networks. And so I told them, we want this implemented this year. And if it's not, the FCC will take regulatory action to ensure that it is. In addition to that, we're also uh, working very hard on the enforcement side. The largest fines in the FCC's 85-year history have been imposed under my leadership over the last two years on robocallers who unleashed millions of robocalls on American consumers. And in addition to that, we're working with other agencies, the Federal Trade Commission, and even uh, agencies abroad in places like India to cooperate on law enforcement to make sure that we can track down and go after these call centers. They're set up for the express purpose of unleashing these robocalls. It's gotten to the point where I get every single day a number of emails from consumers saying, I don't even bother answering the phone anymore because I know that it's more likely than not a spoofed call, and I'm, not, I'm sick of it. And I'm sick of it, too. And as the chairman, I can tell you that this is the FCC's top consumer protection priority, and we're not going to stop until you can answer that phone with confidence. Good. I, I really appreciate that, that very uh, substantial answer. We're talking to the FCC Commissioner Ajit Pai. Only have a couple of minutes here to get to some of my other pet peeves, Mr. Commissioner. Um, hey, absolutely. Uh, will, will campaign robocalls be included in your action on robocalls? 
That's what it's funny. Uh, that's one of the things the politicians ask for a carve out on. They want to make sure that they're able to reach their uh, would be constituents. And so uh, uh, that's a tougher issue since uh, the law doesn't give us as much authority there. But if it's an illegal robocall, I can tell you we will be cracking down on them. So uh, uh, stay tuned on that front. OK. And I've got about a minute here. The Democrats launched something the other day called the Save the Internet uh, vote. I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I didn't realize the Internet was in danger. Is this another push for net neutrality? You got 40 seconds. It's just a political stunt. Uh, we, uh, When we made our decision in December of 2017, many people, including some of these same politicians, predicted it would be, quote, the end of the Internet as we know it, that you'd have to pay $5 per tweet, that the Internet would look like Portugal, and that all these terrible things were would happen. Well, a year and a half later, speeds are up 40%, according to an independent report. Fiber infrastructure is going up. Infrastructure overall is going up. And I think that all these hysterical predictions of doom have been dis- Proved. So why are these politicians doing this? Well, I think they perceive that there's political advantage to be had. But here in the fact-based world, the FCC is focused on closing that digital divide, promoting more market-based solutions, and ultimately, hopefully Congress will uh, come to its senses and put on paper those open Internet principles that we all agree with. Thank you, sir. That's perfect. Uh, Chairman Pai, if you're in town in Wilmington during lunch and you're looking for a big slab of meat, I recommend I recommend the charcoal pit, but, but any time here, you're welcome, sir. Well, thanks so much for the recommendation, and thanks for having me on.